Welcome into Bucks Insider Live. Casey Phillips here with senior writer and editor Scott Smith. We are coming to you a little bit sooner this week than normal because we are flying to Deutschland tomorrow <laughs> and there's a hurricane coming. Casual week in Buccaneer world. Nothing to see here. So as always, we're going to get you prepared for everything you need to know for the upcoming game, this past game, talk about everything Buccaneer related. And if you have any questions for us, you can put them underneath the live video in the comment section on our Facebook. So for now, let's uh, start with our news of the day. Yeah. One Good Jake news. Camarda got a got a heck of an award. Tell us what happened. I would say it's expected news. I would have been pretty mad if he did not win NFC Special Teams Player of the Week. Of course, it's all about me and how it makes Obviously, me feel. Obviously, yes. No, I mean, he was. And it, I was thinking about this yesterday. It's not often that you get to witness the best game for your franchise ever played by a person in a specific position. Like, I think back to the day when, when Doug Martin had... 251 yards and four touchdowns. That was the best day ever for a Buccaneers running back. Right. Jimmy Giles had four touchdowns against Miami in the game. That was the best day ever for a Buccaneers tight end. It's not arguable. This was the best game that a Buccaneers punter has ever had. And it's not just statistical because his ability to win the field position battle for a game that was just a grind the whole time and had 15 punts and like 15 combined three and outs Field position mattered, and he made it happen. Mm -hmm. And he had three of the eight longest punts in team history in one game. It's incredible. Including the 74-yarder that tied the record by Sean Landetta in 1997 for the longest punt the Bucks have ever had. And it wasn't just a number because it was it was a critical juncture. The Buccaneers had come out in the, in the, in the second half, <clears throat> got the ball first, went three and out disappointingly, did manage to force a punt, got the ball, went three and out again, disappointingly, and then while trying to get the punt off, committed two penalties. And so you're going, oh, we're just backing up. Yeah. And But I'll tell you this much, he hit a 57-yard punt, but we committed a penalty on the punt. The Rams at that point could either tack on 10 yards to the end of the return and take the ball and go, or back us up 10 yards and make us punt again. That and they regret that decision. They made the wrong decision. They did. You know, and I thought about how incredible his leg strength and power is, not just for the distance he's getting, but how many times he was asked to kick in general in that game. Because technically he had six punts, but if we think about it, he really had eight because he punted eight times in terms of those penalties, having to redo it yeah. each time, and they didn't count. But in terms of what his leg was asked he to also do, kicked and he off. kicked off. Yeah. yeah. So this guy had to kick so much and was still getting that kind of power behind his yeah. kicks with his leg getting a lot of usage. Oh, by the way, he made two of the four special teams tackles as well. I saw that was incredible. <laughs> I was a little concerned for him on that first one. I was like, oh, God, but then you remember, he's a heck of an athlete. Yeah. So, you know, um, and also shameless plug, we had him and Ryan Suckup oh, on the radio show this week. They were great. So definitely Ryan check that out. Ryan had a big game, too. Yes, they both had I mean, had he had the one days. blocked, but that's not his fault. Right. Bobby Wagner jumped over the line, but he made a 50-yarder, and it was three of four. Yeah, so. pretty incredible. All right, so um, also I know that there were so many milestones we were talking about going into that game, but one we hadn't even addressed was this streak of consecutive passes without an interception for Brady. There's a little bit of a you know, superstitious factor there. Exactly, and this is why I figured we'd tell everybody that, yeah, we don't talk about these beforehand, <laughs> but now that it's happened, we can talk about it. So tell everybody the statistics. And it's also been, it's been put in notes, it's been put in stories. We're not the ones breaking the seal here. Okay, so Tom Brady hasn't thrown an interception since the fourth quarter of the week one game against Dallas. It's incredible. And that is a streak of 373 passes. Now think about Tom Brady's career. This is his longest streak of passes without an interception. Now, 23 seasons into the best career ever for a quarterback. And he's really, he's getting close. Um, hopefully he'll make that mark. He's, he's passed his own best and is, what is that, 27, 29. So he needs 30 more 
to uh, to have yes. the longest streak in NFL history. Wow. And we're not jinxing it, folks. It's already out there. It. Everybody's Everybody already talked about it. it. We just thought we'd if let you know. If something happens, don't blame us. <laughs> exactly. It's not our fault. It really is incredible. And I think um, just overall that the turnover and lack of turnover thing has been so interesting. It's weird. It's very bizarre. Of now, what is it, five games the five defense games. has not produced a turnover? 305 game minutes. It's just, it's It's, it's never crazy. happened before. No. It's the first time in team history it's ever happened. But then it, I will say that if you're going to have that statistic, at least you are not turning it over right. on the other side of the ball. We have one turnover as the Buccaneers do during that same span, and it was actually on special teams. So the offense has also not turned the ball over in five straight games. Yeah, it's incredible. And, uh, of course, as we've been talking about Brady and the things that he's very good at, uh, last-minute last drives, the guy knows a thing or two <laughs> about that. And just explain a little bit about how incredible this end of the game was, what they were able to do and, and produce there. Are we talking about the uh, win probability Yes. Stuff? So if you don't, I don't, have you seen win, probabil win probability charts? Yes, I love them, especially after stats. a game ends where they yeah. show a team was like, you had every yeah. chance to win. I was <laughs> yeah, they're, they're like these horizontal charts. Okay, I'll explain this first. Um, According to the win probability chart, after the Bucks, you know that fourth down on our penultimate drive uh, was incomplete. That gave us a they gave us a five percent chance to win. This is based on thousands of historical occurrences and, right. and the you know what has happened with them. Um, it went up to the, the Bucks had to get a stop on defense or they would have run out the clock. So you know get the ball back to the forty. It's ten point two percent, and then. Tom Brady starts making plays, and you can see it just go up. Kate Otten, even as big of a play as Kate Otten's 28-yard catch, it only put the wow. win probably up, probability up by about five more percent. But then Scotty Miller makes his two catches, and now all of a sudden we're at 32.2%. And then the penalty on uh, Darian Kendrick against Mike Evans in the end zone makes a first and goal at the one, and now it looks like we have a two-thirds chance of winning. And then after we score, it's not quite 100 because there was nine seconds left. And There's always a happen. chance. Yep. But uh, it was pretty amazing. Those charts are, are very interesting because they, you know, they got the, the line down the middle and they have one team on top and one on the bottom and the, the line goes up and down and, you know, something, okay, they have a 60% chance. Okay, now they have a 60. Mm -hmm. This whole thing was like this and then it went whoop all the way up to the Rams <laughs> and then whoosh, down in, in just 35 seconds. That's so ridiculous. <clears throat> and so what were some of the big takeaways for you offensively for the team this last Sunday? And the things that you knew that they've already been talking about and working on and mm -hmm. how many of those did we see improvement? Yeah. Where do we feel like they're still working? Kind of as you take a look at that game as a whole. Yeah. Of course, wins feel like they cure everything, yeah. but it doesn't mean that everything necessarily No, and the one good thing that was better was third downs. The Buccaneers were something 42.9%, which still isn't as good as they were last year, but it's a big improvement over what's been happening. Um, so that was a big improvement. Otherwise, the, the overall numbers for, on offense weren't great. But what I take away from that, and especially at the end of the game, was when they were taking away Mike Evans and, and Chris Godwin, Scotty Miller, Kate Otten, a couple guys mm -hmm. became reliable targets that Tom Brady could count on. And you have to have that. And, and think about the fact that through a lot of this, the last two years of unbelievable offensive success, we've generally had a third guy and even a fourth guy that Tom Brady could count on and, and was comfortable going to. Rob Gronkowski for a long time, Antonio Brown. It's, it's sort of been by committee this year and there's been a shuffling of the, uh, of the lineup, due some due to injuries. But you saw in this game, I would think that would make Tom Brady more com comfortable and confident going to guys like Kate Otten and mm -hmm. Scotty Miller. 
when the defense is putting all their resources on stopping our two big guys. Right. No, that makes complete sense. And how about defensively? I know that one thing we've really talked about is the need for a complete game, both sides yeah. of the ball. And mm -hmm. um, I mean, as we, we saw that win probability chart, the they did not give us a lot of odds, even the idea of the defense having to get that stop. That was so critical and well, crucial yeah, yeah. to get the ball back. So we know that they made some huge plays to just keep the team in this game. Um, so, yeah, just in your mind, what is the big takeaway defensively of, especially after these last few games where there's been some critique yeah. and, and criticism? There? Well, I don't, I'm going to sound repetitive, but I'm, I'm going to say third downs. And this is, that was an issue last week um, when talking about the problems that the Bucks were having, sustaining success going into the second half, especially on defense. Um, uh, Todd Bowles said third downs, and mm -hmm. we really were doing poorly on both. But if you look at this game, they only gave up 206 yards. They only gave up nine first downs. This is much better than the Buccaneers have. And remember, the, the numbers were pretty good through three games. So the last five games haven't been particularly, before this one, haven't been particularly good. But look at this. I mean, half as many first downs as they'd allowed on average. The third down percentage way down, more than 100 yards less overall. The rushing defense was much better. I know, I know, the Rams have a terrible running attack. I get it. Uh, yards per carry. Completion percentage. I mean, that's a big one because uh, less than 50%. You don't see that a whole lot. Mm -hmm. You don't see that too many times. And average game per play, 3.7 is a really low number for a team to get on offense throughout an entire game. So just improvement across the board. But I think the most important thing there is third downs. And so for you looking at this next week, it, it's so interesting as we always talk about the schedule when it comes out at the beginning of the year and we start picking yeah. what we think are wins and what we think are losses. And this has just been such a weird year across yeah. the league. And even specifically the Buck schedule, I think if we'd said, you know what, they're going to beat the Cowboys, they're going to beat the Saints, they're going to beat the Rams. And we just said that you would think their record would That's be very different point. than That's it is now. Point. And then you would have looked at the Seattle game before the season started and thought, mm -hmm. no, Russell they Wilson. They traded away Russell. Yeah, they got Bobby rid of Wagner's Bobby gone. Wagner. Like, this is a team that's in rebuild yeah, mode. And this is an easy, easy W going mm -hmm. into this point. And that is absolutely not the case yeah. for this game. So what do you think we should know about the Seahawks mm -hmm. and what this matchup could well, look like, particularly compared to what we would have thought earlier in the yeah, year? Yeah, the thing we need to know is the Seahawks are good. They're good, and especially on offense. And Geno Smith is one of the biggest stories of the entire NFL this season. He has performed amazingly well. He's got a 107.2 passer rating. It's like third in the entire league, and it's deserved. This isn't fluky. He's doing it again and again. He also moves well, but he's been very, very accurate. He can still hit the deep ball, which was the big thing in the Russell Wilson era, but he, he also works the intermediate area probably better than Russ did for most of his time there. That just wasn't his thing. So it's a tough offense to defend is you know he's they still have, they used to have Russell Wilson throwing to DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett well they still have Metcalf and Lockett mm -hmm. and th those guys are fast Metcalf is not only fast but he's huge yeah it's a tough challenge they have three tight ends they use a lot they draft not only did, did they get rid of Wilson and Wagner they let both of their starting offensive tackles walk in free agency and then just drafted two guys and stuck them in there Charles Cross and Abraham Lucas and they're doing great so it's, it's a challenge. Now, defensively, they, they started out the season really, really badly, probably gave up the most points through the first three or four weeks. But the last four weeks, they've clamped down, and they have one of the best scoring defenses in the league. Rookie cornerback Tariq Woolen has been awesome. So they're just getting a ton out of their young guys, and it's really working out well for them.
All right. Well, that is going to do it for us on this edition of Bucks Insider Live. Thank you so much for being with us. And again, we are flying out with the team to Germany on uh, tomorrow. And so definitely stay tuned for all the coverage uh, going on in Germany of the game, the post game. We got a lot of fun things that we're uh, trying to do out there in Germany. Some some fun videos, some fun events, and of course all of our normal uh, practice coverage, press conferences, all of that. So stay tuned to Buccaneers.com, and we'll see you next time. Thank <laughs> you.